how should I refer to you? Like, what's your official title? Uh, Shuttlecock, like mastermind, founder, say, Presidente. I usually evil mastermind. Pefe. I, I usually go with owner and editor in chief. Owner and editor in chief, not founder. The founder board. actually does sound more more English. Maybe I should. Next time I get business cards, I'll be founder. Uh, well, owner owner sounds evil and gross. <laughs> founder, the man. Sounds, there you go. Benevolent. He's created a wonderful thing. He's <laughs> fiefdom. All right, big city, yeah, Kansas City, how you feeling? Welcome to Center Cuts episode number 22. We are here with Aaron Rhodes, owner and editor-in-chief of Shuttlecock Magazine. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing quite all right, thank you. We were just discussing off-air like how we should refer to you, yeah. Overlord. I mean, you founded <laughs> Shuttlecock, right? Yes. Okay. We, we are thrilled to have you here. We're here with Chris Mowry in his home again. We are all vaccinated up. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. It's a little warm in here, but other than that, it's good. No, it's good. It's, ju- <laughs> it's July 6th. I think we've all been pleasantly surprised by the lack of humidity here coming into uh, some nice summer days. And we were just talking again a little bit off air. We all do podcasts. We have a little podcast banner there. That should be a whole separate episode. Like Podcast powwow. Right. Like the length, what's your intention, et cetera, et cetera. But Aaron does a whole bunch of stuff, including running a website. We are looking at the, this is edition number three of the print magazine. Yes. It is just beautiful. We, Aaron's got a couple of different podcasts, one through Shuttlecock. He's also partnered up with Bill Brownlee, longtime media Jedi here in Kansas City. And I'm sure we'll get into all that here shortly. We like to talk a little calendar action, and this will be dated a week. Aaron, anything I mean, I know there's stuff going on on your radar. What's what's cooking for you in the next week, two weeks, month? Um, yeah, so I I don't have I don't personally have any like, you know, I book DIY shows in Kansas City, and I don't have anything confirmed now until October, November. I might have some stuff pop up before then, but stuff that I will be attending in the next month. Uh, will include probably AG Club and Payday at Record Bar. That'll be a lot of fun. Kind of a an alternative hip hop show. Um, What's that date? I think that's August fifth. Okay. Let me double check. I about have a month. Some notes here. Aaron, you also did you? Has it maybe been about three weeks now? You've started to do kind of the concert calendar again. You got yeah. that runner like some highlights. Yeah. No. Uh, every once a week on the the website, I do live this week, and that's just a a week-long kind of roundup of shows I recommend or kind of endorse. So Super appreciative of that. It's really, i got to tell you, I, I look there between you and Chris Aguirre and a couple other places, Bill Brownlee again, you're, you're trying to help me figure out what I need to do for the next month. Yeah. No, but yeah, the, the AG Club show is Record Bar August 5th. Um, I'm also going to try to make it to ZZ Top and Willie Nelson at the Azura Amphitheater. All right. Uh, A.K.A. Sandstone. What's that um, date? August 8th. Just okay. because I feel like those are two classic acts that I will maybe not get too many more chances to see. I have mm-hmm. not seen either of them yet. Oh, really? No, yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of, you know, there's plenty of stuff to see sometimes. I, I saw ZZ it. Top for the Eliminator Tour. That was about 83. Were you, you weren't born. No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not Far with, actually, I, were your parents either. born then? I wasn't either. <laughs> you weren't, Chris? Oh, no. my God. I'm 88. And then I'm also probably going to go see 
the Dropkick Murphys and Rancid show at nice. Grinders on yeah. August 11, just because I kind of, I guess we'll get into this in a moment, I kind of grew up listening to a lot of, like, pop punk and melodic punk, mm-hmm. and Rancid is, like, kind of the one last, like, melodic punk band I need to, like, check off my list of mm-hmm. seeing live, mm-hmm. just, like, all the bands I was into when I was, like... 13 to 17 mm-hmm. so that i think that'll be maybe a fun show offspring do you see those the, guys the offspring was my first concert is that right yeah it was the offspring with taking back sunday and the used at city market what a i remember lineup. that I was remember that like that a show. buzz thing that yeah, was a buzz thing yeah. the stars. and alkaline trail was on it too but i got there too late to see them and i holy smokes that yeah it was a big show and amberlin opened i don't care about that band though <laughs> I want that flyer. That's that's an impressive lineup. Who did I just see at Grinders announce? Faith No More? Oh, yeah. Faith did No I More just see that Fucked today? Up. I'm going to go see Fucked Up. I haven't seen... Fucked Up hasn't been here since they played Middle of the Map like a decade ago. Mm. So mm-hmm. um, that'll be cool. And No, but it's funny. Uh, you say you want a flyer of that, that awesome you have show. Uh, not for that specific show, but I bought a poster. I don't know if I've told this story before or not anywhere but i bought a poster uh at that show just like a tour poster you know and it they it was called the shit is fucked up tour that was was like a lyric from one of one of their songs on the the album they were touring on the one with the black and red album cover that had like hammerhead on it but i went my, my dad took me to that concert it was like my last day of sixth grade and that night as like you know a reward i was gonna get to see the offspring it was cool and I got that poster, and he was like, and it said this shit is fucked up tour on it. And my dad was like, your mom will not like that. And so <laughs> we take, I, I, we, I get home, and I like, on printer paper, cover up shit and fucked with stuff and messed up. <laughs> like, stuff is messed up tour. And... My, I sh- we sh- we showed it to my mom, like like she, I would, I didn't like show it to her, like hey look, but like she saw it on my wall, and like years later, like I had like pulled the 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 tape <laughs> off, and she was like, oh I never realized that you had done that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so that, that she's was just being nice as your mother. She knew it all along, you know, just didn't want to give you a hard uh, time I just don't know if she ever looked that closely she's like oh okay <laughs> cool person that's fantastic <laughs> Do you, and you still have it yeah no it's hanging in my uh, childhood bedroom still and but my, I think I think my parents are moving soon so I will have to Snag put that, that somewhere recover so I, don't, that. I don't know where it's gonna go probably just in a box okay but, um, I, I, I'm very sentimental so I will be keeping it you gotta keep concert posters. Yeah, I, I keep everything. I, I can't get rid of concert tees. I was just going through concert tees and trying to like figure out which ones I'd give away. No, that's, that's, that's tough. They're all tied to specific memories and like, stuff. Yeah, I've I've ones that like I know I'm never gonna <coughs> like if I know I'm never gonna wear it again, but I want to keep it out of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I have a drawer. I'll put it in. Like I, it won't be on a hanger, but yeah. it will be in a drawer. Yeah, we are sick. I realize we have a lot of. It, alike because again I'm I'm able now to give some of my t-shirts to my child uh, who doesn't know who half these bands are but just doesn't feel like having a having to wash another shirt yeah um, that's why I buy a band shirt 
let's and let's hear about some of maybe of the shows that you've booked here when we get into the the meat of the segment a- anything else aaron or chris do you want to jump in anything on your radar oh i got a lot of things here okay um so i i uh, this is releasing well it doesn't matter a lot of the stuff was just announced so 13th should be out in theory. yeah um so some stuff that has just announced um at record bar and lemonade this one specifically um is very odd and going to be fun i think i hope uh we're going to have jeff hardy uh of wwe fame uh do a meet and greet and acoustic show after the recording of raw at the sprint center acoustic wrestling like he no yeah they're going to acoustically wrestle okay um no so he (laughs) he's a i'm assuming he has some sort of music uh and he's going to play it acoustically (laughs) At this meet and greet after recording Raw at Sprint Center and then come over and do that. I think that'll be fun. Uh, on the 28th of July, we are showing Midsummer at mm. um, Lemonade Park. That mm. should be very fun. Um, Jessica Page and Lucas Parker were just announced at uh, Lemonade for 7.30. And there was something else that was just announced that I wanted to shout out. Oh, yes. Um, it's a little bit farther away. But August uh, 2021, uh, Jorge Arana Abandoncy and Via Luna at Lemonade Park, Saturday the 14th. That's a super yeah. eclectic bill. I, yeah, yeah. that's that would be one of the louder shows that happens at uh, the park. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's yeah there's not a ton of like super super loud stuff, and that'll that'll definitely be a, a good one. Love Jorge. I know he's got a solo project he's working on. Jade from the Black Creatures was telling me today. And Via Luna, we had a chance to see them at Records Merit, kind of a almost a private show for my business partner Jim and me a while back. And they are a trip. They had a bunch of really cool EPs. And yeah. I think just family and some changes happen and pandemic. Well, now they're all back. Uh, one of them moved away. It is now back closer. So now they are currently recording their fourth EP. That goes a part of their like. It was seasons. Seasons. Yeah, that was cool. EPs. Um, and that's the final one. That's winter. Uh, okay. So they're finishing that up right now, and then, yeah, it seems like they're gonna keep this thing going. So. Okay. And you got full on movie series. I, the one yeah. that got my eye the other day was Cowtown Ballroom. I've yeah, the never Cowtown seen that. Ballroom documentary. That's about uh, some people would know it as the Altorion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of really crazy music history in that place. Yeah, I spent Fourth of July with one of my cousins, and his brother-in-law was—he's a little older than me. He's probably sixty-five, but oh, he was just telling me all these tales of back in the day, like Brewer and Shipley and Zappa, like, exactly. But it was a really short time period. It was like maybe a mm-hmm. year and a half. It was open or something yeah. like that. And then there was roller skating in there. Yeah, and then, the it, then it then it became the Altorion, and then when the Altorion was there, it was a dump. Uh-huh. Uh, it was just so poorly that I wonder what they ended up doing. I know that the Altorion reopened for a short period of time. And then it turned into a church or yeah. something like that. Like swap meets? Yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird building. You ever done a show in there? Uh, no. No. It would have been close. It would have been like okay. close, uh, well, close blind side, the I The one show I saw there when it did reopen as El Torreon briefly was the final Blindside USA show, mm-hmm. which is like a Kansas City hardcore band for several years. Mm-hmm. And then the members are now in uh, Devil's Den and Spine. Oh, okay, but, gotcha, um, Spine, yeah. But yeah, no, that was a big cool show there. But yeah, no, I never was around for like I I, I hear I hear tales about the the punk years mm-hmm. 
and how how like some pretty crazy lineups happened there and how kind of a weird crazy place it was like yeah. you're, you said that they're, they're currently making a documentary about the, the uh no so cowtown ballroom was the original uh venue there that was only open for a few years in the 70s uh-huh I believe it's the 70s. Wasn't um, it also like a jazz venue like way back though? It might have been. Yeah. yeah. I need to watch this doc too because I'm excited to learn more about the history. It was just always like when I was in the warp Tour generation of my life, yep. uh, there was a lot of shows there. And then we'd all talk about uh, somebody would just be like, hey, did you know like Zappa played here? And we'd be like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. He did not play here. And they're like, yeah, no, for real. Yeah. In the 70s. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, we um, we got a lot of stuff going on. I'm, I remember I'm thinking about things being dated. Um, our the Black Creatures have a show at the Black Box on Thursday. We've seen some pretty good, interesting lineups there. We're excited mm-hmm. about that. Fritz is going to be with Jay Ashley with Gemetitone at Raj Mahal this weekend. We're still doing some shows at Second Presbyterian. Jessica Page is there on the 14th. Kadesh Flo's got a great show with New Black City out at Lemonade. Chris, next yep. Friday. Excited about that. Um lordy i just i i'm even looking into like august and things it just it just doesn't really end and these are just really the outdoor venues i've been super excited to see what's happening um inside we were talking about the truman a little bit earlier um i know the brick has started doing some shows there they did their rural grit last night for the first time in a long long time Um, i know record bars got some things going on talking with crossroads music festival today they're going to have some things indoors i think people are you know, realizing the reason why we got the vaccine is so we can try to do some of these things that we did for so long. And hopefully these venues are going to continue to be able to hold on, yeah. you know, because they just really haven't had a whole lot of assistance in this last year and a half. Chief. I wanted to switch to say that and learn how to say that in Spanish for a second. But I'm also going to refer oh. to you as the founder, founding father of Shuttlecock Magazine and Associate Shuttlecock product, Projects. Aaron, tell us a little bit. You clarified me. You are from Kansas City. Yeah, from Johnson County. Johnson County. I guess for some reason I thought you were like from the Midwest and got sucked in here in like middle school or high school or something. No, no. Okay, so grew up here. Your family's like originally from this area or? Uh, my mom was born and grew up in Brooklyn and Brooklyn, uh, New York that is? Yes. Okay. And uh, she Kansas. Brooklyn, Kansas. Isn't there a Brooklyn, Kansas? There's Manhattan, Kansas. There's Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she came out here and married my dad and my dad kinda grew up all over the Midwest, uh, but he finally settled like he, he I think they met 
when my parents met when they were both working at a TV station in Wichita. Okay. And they moved here. Um, I think, well, I think they were briefly in Topeka also, and but then they finally moved here, and my dad, uh, they were both working at KCTV5 for a long time. And, Is that right? And my dad still works there as a photographer, videographer, and, mm-hmm. uh, but, and my mom was in the promotions department, but she got let go around the recession and has been working in... Uh, public schools since then. That's what I thought you had said before. I don't know how we were talking about your mom before was teaching. Mm. I'm assuming then, now that I'm hearing that, I did not do my due diligence on that one. That's got to have some impact on your relationship with media, whether it's photography or, you know, being behind the scenes and things like that. Yeah, no, I, well, it's kind of funny because I never realized that a lot of families aren't like this, but like we would watch the news like together basically every evening, you know, mm-hmm. like having dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just be on just to see what my dad had got video of that day and just to kind of, you know, stay in the loop like anyone else would. But uh, yeah, I kind of realized later on that that wasn't super normal. And, but it, I don't think it like, so I, like, I had access, like, having, like, being able to borrow my dad's camera helped me out when I was like, first like shooting concerts and stuff but is that borrow um, in quotation marks or actually borrow oh yeah no i asked him <laughs> i had permission okay just checking uh <laughs> i imagine you but yeah no and so i guess i guess i was just generally interested in media I, but it didn't like i don't know i my first experience like doing that kind of stuff was writing for my high school paper which i did all four years at okay East. And um, so I, I guess having the the family media background probably played into it a little bit, like gave me a little bit of interest in it. But like just writing for the high school newspaper and like asking every month if I could write about a music thing just because that's what I was interested in. That's like kind of my first start in that. Right. Do you think was it intentional to sit down and watch the news to see some of the pieces that your father had done or was it we're just we just watch the news because that's what we do you know some both i think okay because like i personally my family we stopped watching the news a long time ago i just can't deal with all the dep- you know the negativity yeah, no, like I, depression yeah. like i was just thinking like you're the dinner table just crying like every night like yeah no like, i i i mean occasionally i'll i'll like ask my ask my dad like like i'll see something going on I'm like oh did you shoot that did did, did you work on that and but like yeah, I, I don't watch the local news or really any news, okay. news in in my own personal time now that I have yeah. moved out of my parents' house. Jesus, it is yeah, it's that, weird, it's and tough. depressing. That is tough. I actually, Chris, I was thinking of that when we did the the benefit SOSKC back in December, we finagled a couple of news crews to come out and shoot something, and I was talking because Slights was practicing. I was kind of talking to the the, the videographer off camera and he was just telling about his day and it was terrible. I mean, it was seriously like accident after accident versus somebody in a nursing home, somebody in a car. I don't know. I was like, dude, how do you process all that or detach yourself from that? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I guess I haven't had that specific conversation with my dad before, but he's a very like, very reasonable, friendly, you know, kind of guy. So like, I guess he, you know, I think he probably, would tell you that i mean it's it's helpful to to be documenting that those that type of stuff in the city and and just to you know kind of advocate for change yeah not run away from it so like 
yeah, I, I, I figure that's probably his outlook on it. And, you know, yeah. So normal childhood life, news, car crashes notwithstanding. <laughs> you have siblings? Uh, yeah, I have a younger brother. He's um, at KU right now. He just turned 21. He's okay. in the, the business school. And Chris clarified your age off air. I'm 24. Yeah, we, you've, you've been so involved in Kansas City for so long. I would think you're probably like 30-something. I mean, not saying you look 30. Don't get me <laughs> yeah. wrong. No, I, I'm <laughs> <it's> like, constantly <laughs> carded. Yeah, yeah, no, it was like... It's a, a great thing. You want to be carded. Yeah. No, for but, a long while there at Record Bar, uh, I'd be like, just put X's on his hands and let him in. Actually, don't put X's on his hands. Just let him in. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's also funny because like some people like especially like people at punk and hardcore shows because that's the kind of shows i've been going to for the longest like i started Mm -hmm. going to diy punk and hardcore shows when i was like 14 Mm -hmm. i think and like i'll I'll bump into people that haven't seen me in a while and they're like how old are you now i'm like 24 they're like oh that's crazy i could i'm like you know i think i'm like eternally kind of the punk scene baby you know to to a lot of people yeah, what are you going to do when you hit, like, 30, man? You're going to be, like, grandpa, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, you can't come in here anymore. Shows for 30, yeah, no, it's, it's funny. It's funny having, like, some kind of, like, say in things already, like, as a 24-year-old. Like, I'm, and, it's like, beautiful. I, and I think the, the pandemic really put, like, a, a BC and an AD to a lot of stuff. Like, the, the people and the institutions and the bands that survived it, mm-hmm. like, are kind of the new kind of institutions and like standard bearers mm, interesting in, in some ways i don't know if that like no that's great that's accurate or not we need to come up with some acronyms or something like that pre-pandemic <laughs> post-pandemic yeah okay you mentioned there too we already talked about your first pop punk club or sorry the last band from that era yeah. your first show was like going to like a house show or something like that you said age 14 what was that all about oh well, my, my first concert like first live music was was that offspring show I told okay. you about at okay. City Market with Taking Back Sunday and Be Used. But my first DIY show was like a year or two after that and a friend had like um like I, I asked my parents and but they just didn't know how weird of a situation it was, I think. I think I just told them it was like a punk concert at a small venue. But it was at this place called the Studded Bird that's like it was on I think Baltimore and like 16th or something down in the crossroads not far from where Revolution Records is right now but it was just kind of this empty space that was like a DIY space for I think at least a few years but I what I ended up going to was the final show there and hmm. the um, studded bird yes never heard they had, of a, they had a big mural of a of a of like a bird on the wall and there's there's like a handful of YouTube videos from there that you can see and I think Hud's this there's a punk scene photographer named Hudson Luce. I, I think his last name. How do you pronounce that? L U C E E. Um, he he took a lot of photos there. I think so. Yeah, no, that was a definitely kind you, of a weird, cool venue. Were you going there to cover the show, or were you just going to attend? No, yeah, I was. I wasn't. I, I'm. A, I must have been. Yeah, so I was Eighth either. Grade? Yeah, I was either like just starting high school or just ending middle school then. So I was still just like. I just wanted to go see music. How'd you even find out about it? Is somebody um, else in the know? Yeah, it was my my friend's older brother had kind of started oh, going to those shows, uh-huh. and he had his license, and so he was just driving me into the city and gonna go see a, a sketchy punk rock show. <laughs> <laughs> let's, yeah, and let's go backwards though. So mm-hmm. We usually try to ask a couple of questions just about you know as a youth. Yep. 
were you did you have an early love for music did you play any have any lessons or play an instrument um yeah no i there was plenty of music uh playing in the house as a kid uh maybe not more i mean maybe a little more than some people but i mean nobody in my family really plays music but um and i and i've never played an instrument no lessons nothing in like school i tried very briefly taking guitar lessons and i just kind of didn't have the interest really in following through on it okay um but yeah no my dad was always kind of playing like you know my dad was a beatles fan a rolling stones fan he also has like a thing for like kind of like prog rock so he, he's a very big yes fan yes oh, is one of his favorites and he took me to go see yes uh, one time and that was a lot of fun nice. think, at the midland and um so yeah he has a and but and then he was also like he, he kind of just generally follows music more than i think most people do so he uh is he a record collector yeah no he used to have a very big collection it unfortunately our basement flooded one time and he Ugh. lost a lot of it but he's like kind of slowly rebuilding it a little bit uh-huh. but um he's he's a big john hyatt fan he's a big oh yeah but he was also kind of generally following like 90s rock like weezer green day so he showed me that kind of stuff growing up but and one of the one of the earliest things though was like he showed me uh he had uh i think the first clash record on on mm. vinyl and he he played that for me like when I was a teenager and I was very into that. But yeah, I can but, see that for sure. But yeah, but finding finding my own music, it, it was like pop punk just through kind of like movies and video games and just kind of like MTV type stuff. Like I was I got into like some forty one and Blink One Eighty Two, and that was like the first stuff I was like getting into on my own. Mm-hmm. Were you hitting record stores? Uh no, I was I was downloading a lot of music. Yeah, that's um, downloading. Say times. what's out what's out in Olathe anyhow? Like where would you go to get music? Yeah, I would I would go to Vintage Stock or like Half Price Books occasionally. Vintage Stock over there on Metcalf. Yeah. Okay. So I no I had a I had a small CD collection, but I was mostly just like pirating a lot of music on the internet. I was. Is that like, Napster time? Uh, well, my dad. That already. LimeWire. My, well, my, yeah, my dad showed me mm. how to use LimeWire at a young age, and I probably screwed up his computer by doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, but, but I would, I would, I would usually just ask him to like burn me different CDs of like songs I heard on the radio and stuff, and like. I remember being like really into Aaron Carter as a small child. Just I'm like, oh, he has the same name as me. That's crazy. Cool. Um, That's amazing. Uh, he's coming too. Did I see that? Oh, I hope. I, I hope not. I swear I saw that. Oh, he he has played the bottleneck before. Yeah, he has. Like several years ago. No, it's not right I'm, here in your issue. I'm no. pretty sure he's not. No, he's not. He's coming. he's having some. Uh, okay, sorry. Health and mental <laughs> sorry, health sorry, and sorry, some sorry. drug Segway. problems that he's got to so, fix. So, Dad, maybe not necessarily musically influencing you, but he had a love for music. Was your mom spinning tunes at all? Or? Uh, she she was more just kind of a person to, to throw on the radio and just kind of do her thing, like throw on like the variety hits channel. And gotcha. Kind of just like it. She she likes like catchy pop music and stuff like that. But then she she has some of the stuff that kind of overlaps with my dad's taste when it comes to like just kind of classic rock and like maybe kind of folk country adjacent stuff like she she like i i think i could have if you asked me who my fa- my parents favorite musicians were like when i was a kid 
I would say my dad was a big John Hyatt fan. He still is. Mm-hmm. I hope to go see him at Knuckleheads with him this mm-hmm. fall. That that would be cool. Fantastic performer. And my mom is also a big Cheryl Crow fan. Okay. So I think that kind of describes their their sensibilities in a way. Only want to like, be with you, or what's that song? <laughs> all oh, I no, want to no, do is have fun. If it sorry, makes sorry. you happy. No, yeah, and all I want to do. Got you. Okay. Yeah, that one's well, that actually is very interesting as a record label owner uh, because. <laughs> You know, I guess people from our gener- my generation, it's they went to record stores and things like that, or they had their big brother or big sister's record collection or parents, whereas you got everything basically digitally. Yeah. I was, or YouTube. I, yeah, no, I was I was like ripping stuff off YouTube and like finding zip files like on Zippy Share or Mediafire. Yeah. Like and then uh, eventually Soul Seek. Um and then just loading it all onto like I I had an iPod touch. Oh okay, I started with Shuffle. Then I had a touch, and then I became, like, a big, like, that's when I got to be a real music fan. I had my iPod Classic that I bought, like, secondhand on, mm. like, Craigslist or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it had, mm-hmm. like, 120 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. And so I just loaded all of my uh, music and my, all my MP3s onto that. You still while. you still rock that? I wish. I, I like, <laughs> fell out of the habit of, like, I think I, like, filled up a whole external hard drive, and I just quit <laughs> trying yeah. to keep up with downloading music for a few years like that was a few few years ago but i think i'm i i think i tweeted about this i'm like i want to like use the pandemic to rebuild my mp3 collection just because there's like a good amount of stuff that's just not on spotify that i really yeah so so what i was gonna say is like he was talking about like ripping stuff off of like i would i found out a like loophole to like get stuff off of myspace and off of like pure volume that these bands are never gonna like have a release that i can actually just get somewhere besides like going through their website or uh-huh. something um you would literally like go into windows movie maker and change what the input was and you just have whatever is coming through the computer as the as the input yeah. and then you would hit record and then you would click on the song and play it and it would just record the song and then you would stop recording and now you have that song same sound quality roughly uh the <laughs> thing you would get the thing you would get that's funny and i actually noticed it on uh a Childish Gambino song recently on um, Feels Like Summer, uh, you can hear like a mouse clicking in it. <laughs> like, so like the noise that the mouse makes, like, the like is in that song specifically like a few times. And I thought it was weird because that would be something that would pop up when you would record like that. Like if you would record something just like off of the internet, like, and you were like clicking on other things to get other stuff queued up to record, you would hear that click, click. Yeah. Click click. And, and that's only the, that's on the official version of that song? Yeah, it's on the official okay. version. That's it's funny. like it's like kinda it's like in there and it's only for like a few se- like a few parts of the song. It's like wow, that's weird. I wonder yeah. why that's in there. Well he is kind of an internet nerd. So yeah. he has the because the internet album. So right, exactly. Maybe, maybe that wasn't yeah, intentional. Man, you young whippersnappers. I mean the extent that I got to that was like just burning a CD and I start to fill up but books it, of those. I'm like, where can I find all this it's stuff? No, it's too much work. It's like no different when you were even younger and you had like a cassette player and something would come on the radio and you'd oh, all the time the, I did that the play and record yeah, no, yeah. My, sure. my parents had like sure. have all these exactly like, well I missed that because you could also just get segments of a song you know, I only want the first seven seconds of that yes intro you know to yeah. lead into the Frank Zappa song or whatever and that's oh, what nice. I, I would do stuff like that too I oh really put, I, I remember oh, specifically cool. this, this, cool. this is super nerdy and weird of me I took a <clears throat> intro I took a interview clip from, um, 
oh god i'm forgetting his name a serial killer and it's like an interview <laughs> of him speaking and doing this this uh interview for bbc or something like that or a and e and then it like leads into a mastodon song nice uh so that's uh that's where i was at uh, bob Riddell special time. was it a kc reference no or? it was uh it's the guy i'm forgetting now but he's like a huge part of mindhunter he's my favorite like it sounds weird to say but he's my favorite serial, serial killer, killer. <laughs> just because he's so fascinating dude there's our hashtag right there uh but he uh this is now a true crime podcast <laughs> yeah uh but yeah he's like the main, he's like the main guy that they talk to in uh mindhunter okay. that tv show and i okay. can't remember his name now it's driving me crazy <laughs> it's like right here and it's just gone yeah. the listeners are like pulling their hair out yeah they're it's, like it's oh great. it's this guy this is fantastic yeah tell tell us so you said you basically got involved in journalism in high school. Yeah. Was that with the intent to write about music? Or was that like, I got to take an elective, or I want to be in a club? Um, or Yeah, I, I guess it, at first it just started. Well, no, it's actually funny. Uh, I, I forget this a lot. I was also, my, my middle school had a newspaper class. Mm. And really, you know, you're not going to get any writing of quality in, in as a, a former school middle school newspaper. teacher, Aaron, yes, you're yeah. absolutely right. <laughs> so I, I was able to write one or two music articles for my newspaper class in middle school that got printed. You have so copies that, of those? I'm I'm sure I have one packed away somewhere oh, at my parents' house. You bust. You, we need to see that. And I, I definitely know what the first one is, and it's very weird and kind of embarrassing. Okay. You don't want to share? No, it's 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 a that kind of. I wrote a review of whatever album Social Distortion released in like whatever year that it was, like two thousand ten or eleven or something. By no that means right. a good album, but I gave it like you know a very like I'm sure I did a horrible job at describing it and critiquing <laughs> it. I gave it like a positive review because I'm like. I need to write. I need to write about a punk album in my middle school newspaper. I need to tell all my friends about punk music, and and I'm, and, it's not, and it's it's just kind of funny because I'm like hardly a social distortion fan. Like I think they're mostly kind of funny and dumb. But uh, that was my first article. Okay. Okay. So some early exposure in middle school. Yeah. And then as far as the high school paper, Elite Elite East. Yeah. What I mean, how does that work? You just approach it. They have a music department, or they just say you can cover whatever you want, or yeah, it was, it was mostly just like yeah, there was an editor or two, and then the rest of the people in the class were just regular kind of staff writers, or uh, you could do photography, I guess. Um, so I just yeah, I just kind of lobbied to write about music whenever I could, and I mean it was almost always just pretty like standard like. I think album reviews con- yeah either album reviews or concert reviews or previews or something like that so I don't remember a whole lot like I it I didn't get to write about music every time like I wrote plenty of just like regular old school newspaper articles but but you developed a maybe not a passion quite yet but just a yeah, strong no, was, interest like this yeah, is no, cool it was, it was very fun like get, you know when you, you pick it up when it's printed and you're like wow that's cool that's my writing in on the paper and people are gonna read it yeah yep. awesome <laughs> do you ever have any perks like you know being able to get into a show or on a you know a guest list or something like that or a press pass no i didn't really i didn't get to do a whole lot of that i didn't no i was never like getting press passes during high school but i did start shuttlecock like the month I finished high school. Is that and, right? And that's when I, I like, I, I called it a, 
shuttlecock music magazine at first just to make it sound more official so i could get press passes <laughs> you're right so and then you know now now i have the magazine but uh at this was first, like, that, that was just kind of like a to make it look official it was like six years ago how yeah. when what was do you, is there original founding date um, I'm sure you could go see the first post. The first post is a Ray Schremmerd concert review when they played at Uptown Theater after their first album came out. I, I think it was April of 2015. Let's talk about that. I, I only asked that question about the guest list. Remember, Steve Tulipano was telling us the story. Remember, Chris, about how when they were coming in for a show and they were able to get in because they made up some story about how they were like with the paper or whatever. Yeah, they, like, they made up a bunch story. of pizza and whatever. Remember yeah, that? they made up a story to get in. They said they were with the school paper and the, the people at the, who was ever running the venue let them in. Yeah, they were going to let these little pimply-faced dudes come in like, ah, oh, come on in. They'll give us some good <laughs> press. This jacket don't keep me warm, no. This jacket don't keep me warm, it's nothing like your arms, no But it's not like you used to do This jacket don't keep me warm, that's what summer was for But the fall came, then the fall came, then it all came down All came crashing down, I've been cold since you've been found I've been low since you in the ground I've been trying to hold on To the pieces you left me But I'm still hung up on Why you wouldn't let me in Just take the time to call I will catch you for What? So what led to that decision? Was it like, I'm going to write this article, therefore I need a magazine to go with it, or I want to start a magazine, and that just happens to be my first article? Um, I, I, like, you know, since since I ended up doing a high school newspaper for four years, and, like, that was the one, like, class I enjoyed the most, I'm like, yeah, I figure maybe this is a career path I can pursue. So I kind of just intended Shuttlecock to be, like, a portfolio for my work just to kind of, you know, potentially get hired somewhere or you know do freelance stuff in the future and that is kind of how it worked out but people did kind of just end up encouraging me to uh keep building it out and that's kind of the way it went portfolio is a really i think apt term considering all the different components that you contribute to that and it's not just a newspaper obviously it's a website as well were you taking pictures then were you doing uh on the the first few Articles, I think I just wrote and then just added a cell phone picture or two. Okay. Uh, but then I, I did start borrowing my dad's uh, DSLR <laughs> and, um, and I eventually got my own. And uh, yeah, but yeah, no, there are lots of really terrible, like, I'm still not like technically speaking, like people can like be like, oh no, you're good. You're great. You're fine. But I'm like technically not a great photographer. I consider myself more a writer than a photographer, because I'm I just don't I'm really bad at just figuring out the right settings and exposure and just all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, when on the camera. So for for what you're doing, or at least you know for a big demographic or chunk, I think it fits, Aaron. I don't think you want to have some super processed, glossy, you know. Oh, I mean, but sometimes it's just like not even like usable stuff sometimes (laughs) that's cool no it's i (laughs) it's all the rage no i like i like when things look nice and like there are there are plenty of very talented very cool 
like punk show like punk photographers that i admire like martin from uh los crudos he's amazing mm-hmm. then there are yeah there's a handful of others that sure I'm oh i'm not diminishing professional photographers anyway did you have the vision then too that that was always going to be through a website were you thinking about print at that time or um i mean i i i, I figured like you know it wasn't until like the pandemic hit that i uh got the idea to like well was given kind of the idea to start trying to print the magazine mm-hmm. so no it wasn't really a goal even early on like i kind of just yeah i don't know it was all online yeah like i was yeah no because that, that's that's where people are and you know it's, yeah. e- it's easy it's quick and that's I thought it was a, a fine place for that stuff to live, and now, I think it still is. I have a quick question, and yep. forgive me, Patrick, if this is one of your questions. But how did you start? So you're just coming out of high school. You have like this writing. You, you did you know news, school newspaper writing. Yep. How did you start getting on people's radar in KC as like uh, you started showing up, popping up at shows, and, and things like that? How did you start that process? Um. I think I was either like, you know, for like the DIY shows I was yeah. covering, you know, I'd just pay five bucks and go in and right. do my thing. But um, I guess at a certain point, like maybe the right, some of the right people started to see my articles. Like I would, I, I what I, I think what I, it's funny. I don't like, I, I never do this anymore just cause I think it, it would be kind of annoying and tacky, but like I used to like post my coverage of each show I went to in the Facebook event. Uh, of that show mm, so yeah. I, I think a lot of people involved with the shows would end up seeing it that way and uh well and facebook's algorithms now like it's impossible for anyone to see anything i post on there yeah but that's um, probably actually the but, way i but, first saw you aaron yeah. was just in a, some commentary about another show i was like here's this mm-hmm. article like, yeah no this? And, and the facebook event was like s- such a prominent thing like in the early 10s like people would like Especially for, like, DIY shows, because, like, there's not, like, a ticketing website that you go to for right. it. So, like, it's all mm-hmm. on the Facebook event, mostly, unless you have, like, a message board that... And there were message boards, but, like, people would, like, you know, be like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mosh so hard to this band. Like, oh, I'm stoked to see, <laughs> like, I'm gonna fight this guy there. Or, like, not, you know, not in yeah. a serious way, yeah, but, yeah. like, people would just joke around, like, in preparation for the shows. So, like, I think reading, like, the discussion on the Facebook events was like kind of a, a, a prominent thing for a minute. And I kind of took advantage of that. But, and then also I would just start emailing like venue owners and mm-hmm. like press agents and stuff like that about getting press passes and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a great question, Chris. That wasn't exactly on my list, but, but kind of similarly, like how, how did you become aware of, especially a lot of the underground spaces where these artists were performing i mean yes people can probably figure out the traditional venues fairly easily but it just seems like you've always been sort of like one step ahead or in the know about where things are happening were you just finding out through social media or just being out yeah no i mean it would be a mix of like adding the people from the diy punk bands on facebook and then they'll send you the invite to their show or they'll post about it Mm-hmm. And or there's like an outside like there was a site for a while called KCDIY dot info mm-hmm. and, and somebody would just kind of by themselves list all of the DIY shows happening, but it was kind of, I mean it it stopped several years ago and, um, and then there was then and, and you know sometimes you would just 
get a get a flyer at a show and so it's just a kind of a mix of all those things yeah because i i when i'd see you post stuff and i started following you once like you started popping up a lot at record bar and then i i started following you and then i you would post about a show or you do a review of a show and i'm like i don't even know where that is yeah i don't even know like i'd like to think i know i'm like pretty keyed into like what's going on locally but like you are like you were like in the underground. Yeah. You're like in the sewers, finding everybody. I love it. <laughs> yeah. The sewers. <laughs> that's, that's where that's where the bands I like play. Yeah, it's the yeah it's the yeah they play in a sewer. Uh, yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, it's so cool because I'm like, man, that looks grimy as hell. Where's that at? Kind of along the same lines. When I think about, I mean, you've got quite a few podcasts out there at this point, and I certainly have not watched all of them. You have a really interesting range and mix of guests, mm-hmm. and it's not just Kansas City art. No offense, Kansas City artists. Where does how does that come about? Like, are you just I'm interested in this type of music, so I'm going to reach out to this person, or just a happy coincidence that you cross paths with some of the people? No, it's it's like yeah, and I I won't invite anyone to be on my podcast if I like don't enjoy their music or appreciate their work in some way so you want to just they, roast you, you want to roast them for an hour and just no, yeah, <laughs> no, and, i mean like yeah no it's like you can serve me up like a, a fancy press release and you can like for a local act and like if the music isn't there if it doesn't do anything for me like i won't ask them on but yeah i think i just have a generally kind of eclectic or wide-ranging taste so yeah mm-hmm. it kind of just naturally spawns uh just kind of na- na- naturally get brings me a wide array of guests any any particular like highlights of the people that you've interviewed i don't even call them interviews no, it's more like conversations yeah uh, um well it's funny uh well it's now that we're po- we're podcasting together now but i i love my my bill brownlee episode just because i think he i mean maybe he's become slightly less like elusive since then but he always has been kind of just doing his own thing mm-hmm. so it was fun getting to talk to him for like 90 minutes like really early on he was very nice and supportive of what I, what I was doing then especially before I was like had really honed any of my talent whatsoever he was so it was cool that he yeah. was down to do it then and let's stick with let's stick with that for a second yeah. so in my headache right yep episode I think we have like six is it six now I know I listened to the first three and then I think five how how did that conversation come about like how did you two because that's separate from the shuttlecock podcast how did you two reach Um, that decision or make that decision to create something together yeah so um, we I think we we've talked well we talked about it on the uh the episode of the Shuttlecock podcast where he guested several years ago when I was still filming them. At oh, my he was on house. Shuttlecock. Yeah. No, oh, he, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it was like one of the first maybe dozen or two episodes. Okay. He came to my parents' house and <laughs> guested on my podcast and in my parents' basement. Great. And it was great. And uh, but we had previously met one one time at um, we went to see Roy Ayers at uh the the blue room oh, that's the Roy Ayers connection yeah oh great so like we Huge ended up fan. we ended up sitting next to each other like kind of we were both kind of escorted to the same seat like the seats next to each other because we were both doing press things mm-hmm. and uh we we kind of struck up conversation and I kind of fi- like I was because you know 
I was I, I <laughs> like I've I don't, and I think peop, some people will always see me this way and I, I always I'm I kind of am always like I, I'm kind of a brat is the, <laughs> is the thing and I used to really act, I don't feel that at all Chris you well, maybe you, you you met me late enough I guess but no. um, I I was always like getting Quite into like Facebook and Twitter arguments with people just like being bench being a brat about like having superior taste to everyone who's like doing official casey music media stuff like so like i i, I meet bill at that so I'm, I'm like oh i'm i'm the young punk kid trying to take over and do all the cool casey music stuff instead of these lame old guys but like i meet bill at that show and like i'm like oh he's a, he's a like we we talk hip hop and I'm like oh he he loves Kanye and Odd Future and all this mm-hmm. other stuff that I also love, so like we kind of like we're cool after that and he agrees to do the podcast, and um, I think during the pandemic we we like you know I would run into him like once or twice a, a month maybe bef- before the pandemic just at shows and stuff and mm-hmm. I think we both agreed that we miss miss each other's presence and conversation and whatnot so. Love I think it. we we decided to do the podcast because of that, and and it's partially like kind of just a like I I've been doing the the soda podcast yeah I love um, it for a, a while with my roommate Kirby, but um uh we had to take a break from that for just personal reasons, and um so I I, ne- I wanted something to fill that space because like for a while I was trying to do one showcock podcast every week with with a with a guest and that of, that's impossible to book a lot, one yeah. guest every week yeah it's too much so i i needed something like kind of a like it's easier to make because it's just between two people on a set time every week mm-hmm. and with, with the format and, so and that's the, the other reason we i've been doing it and the premise of in my headache or the, you're reviewing three records right yeah two two new albums and one one throwback on each episode and the two new albums, like you each pick one to kind of throw out to each other, yeah, and, and then, then we, alternate weeks on the throwback, yeah. Okay, nice. That sounds cool. I and, didn't know about that. Now I need to. Oh, Chris, it, and I, 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 I don't know if Bill would be listening to this particular podcast, but what's up, Bill? So, what up, Bill? <laughs> I what the thing, and I formerly only met him during the pandemic. I've read him for years. I mean, I counted on plastic sacks for. The first ten years, I moved back to Kansas City, and there stands the glass. I mean, re- read it religiously, and of yeah, course, he's an OG in publications. But even though he's been nothing but polite and nice, and just generally supportive of, of myself, of the label, et cetera, et cetera, I can see some similarities in you too, and the fact that you sometimes just want to tell it like it is. Yeah, uh, no, about we, how, both... and that, that doesn't mean you're a brat, though. It means you're... oh, well, like I've, I've no, yeah. The thing is, I've like since like learned how to do critique in a way in a manner that is not just like like ignorant and bratty and like just like i i, I do i need now, to go back in your facebook feed like five years and find not. the inner aaron you is that what you're not. saying <laughs> okay i'm gonna do it i'm just gonna scroll till i get that little circle just start deleting facebook memories rapidly okay <laughs> okay uh no i was talking about just any other particular and it doesn't have to be a podcast guest, but any you know some memorable shuttlecock. Because I got a couple more questions about the label. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to the other two segments of our episode. 
any other just like memorable moments, like milestones or growth points for you or major scores or scoops that you got or shows that you booked? I know you've got a few shows coming up too. Um, Proudest achievements. Hmm, that's hard to say. I would have to look or at failures. The, the list. What was the guy <laughs> that, disasters? What was the guy that you booked at Record Bar for that? Uh, uh, yeah, there was the, the Tommy Wright the Third show. Tommy Wright the Record Third. Bar. Who? Tommy Wright the Third. Who's the second? I don't know Tommy Wright. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, Tommy Wright the Third is a Memphis rapper. He um, he basically came up in Memphis alongside Three Six Mafia, like kind of oh. doing the same style, same era, but he was just kind of doing his own thing independently of of DJ Paul and them. But um, he has he like you know three six mafia you know they had like a giant like kind of crossover mainstream appeal Mm -hmm. and uh tommy wright always just kind of stayed underground and was kind of just like a cult favorite of like like southern rap fans and punks and skaters because like he had been in like they uh, people had used his music and like skate videos and stuff Mm -hmm. um so i saw him play at like the pre-party for this punk fest in austin a few years ago called this is austin not that great and so it was it was wow it's a ringing uh, endorsement for your city oh no but it was that's that's riffing that's riffing on this is boston not la the famous uh punk compilation from the 80s understood okay um so yeah, I saw him play at that fest, and it, that was a cool ass show. It was Tommy Wright the Third with uh, Power Trip and a couple other bands. Um, but I saw him at that show, and at the at the time, I was doing like a weird uh, bonus podcast on Jason Barr's podcast feed, and every so every, for every episode of that. I would try to do like kind of a man on the street type interview. Like I would do a, just a voice memo interview with a different musician for every episode of that that I was doing. Cool. So I asked Tommy after the show if he wanted to do one of those with me and he was down for it. And I guess he just, rem- like we did like a 10 minute interview. I didn't ask him really anything that interesting, I don't think. I mean, I was like still like maybe 19 or 20 at that point. And um, somehow, like, a year or two later, he remembered that I'm from Kansas City. And he was like, hey, I've never played Kansas City. Could you set up a show for me? I'm like, I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, I've never booked anywhere besides a basement or a record store, but um, I'm down to try it. And, uh, yeah, Steve and the folks at the record bar were more than happy and uh, super helpful in booking uh, my first uh, club show. And... Uh, I got, I think I think about a hundred fifty people showed up. It was like, damn, that's great. So it's it's still like maybe the largest show I've ever booked up until um, a couple recently. Uh, but yeah, that was it was super fun. I I had punk bands play opening up. He loved he loved getting to play with punk bands, and I had some local hip hop on it, and it was a super cool show. Fantastic. How how did you get into that? Was that just a natural not progression, but just offshoot from the magazine where you were finding opportunities for artists. I mean, you're already promoting them in some ways by writing about yeah. them. And so, you know, to use that press or to use the, the video or the podcast, well, might as well have a show to go along with that. Did yeah. they, were they just, were people just asking you, can you hook me up? Or you're like, I'd like to find something for you. 
because we're kind of getting into that these days, especially since the pandemic of we got to sell records. And so if our artists don't have shows, then you yeah. can't really sell records. We better help them find some shows. No, at first I was like wrangling bands to like play like because I, I thought it would be f- <laughs> like I thought it'd be fun to have like a shuttlecock like sh- a, a shuttlecock concert like on my birthday. Uh, it was like a year or two after I started the website. And I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to have a few bands I've written about play a show together on my birthday. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to throw your own party. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there. I had I had Youth Pool, Aaron Alexander, um, and a few punk bands uh, play at Mills Record Company. I, I For whatever reason, Judy took a liking to me early on, even though I... Uh, as we have stated, was a brat. Um, <laughs> Judy and is she, very she, caring. Yeah, she is. She's great. Very nurturing. Um, so she let me book that show there, and it was a lot of fun. So I kind of tried to make, and you know, that was just a free all ages show early evening. And so I, I kind of got to doing those for a couple years, like, like maybe on like a quarterly basis. And just yeah, just trying to pull together like a, a fun mixed bill eclectic lineup for mm-hmm. a free record store show, and none of them really ever popped off. Like there was never more than fifty people there. It was usually closer to one or two dozen, uh, just because I didn't have that much of a reach back then. But um, yeah, so that that was like how I first started booking shows. But then I moved into a house called uh, Come and Go. Which like that was the like first, the gas station? Yeah. Okay. And it was the first place I had lived after moving out of my parents' house, and they had that. It's funny. I went to one of my first DIY shows, like maybe my second or third show after that studded bird show was in the basement of that house. Mm. It used to be called the Asshole Castle, <laughs> and um, I saw I saw the Men and Dark Ages play there, and No Class and that was a really cool house Hmm. and so i eventually like it's kind of it was kind of passed on over the years like so like maybe like six to eight years after i shot after i saw that first show there i moved in because they had an open room and it was quite affordable i was just moving out of my parents place and and so i started booking shows in that basement that's how i got to start booking like touring acts for the first time and then, you know, word kind of just spreads that you're in the business of booking, touring, DIY bands and kind of just leverage that forward since then. Yeah. Better talk to Rhodes. Get the hookup. Uh, tell us real quickly, too. I know I saw that you, Aaron had a swap meet. Was that two weekends ago already? Yeah. God so. damn, I'm losing my mind. Which was, a, <laughs> which was a great event, Aaron. I was so glad to yeah, take part in that and see the turnout. You had what? Maybe five or six record late. It was at Sister Anne's Coffee and Records, which yeah. is a fantastic space. And Jim and Frank were awesome hosts. Yes. Uh, probably five labels there. I know Manor yeah. and Black Sight. There was, there's close to a dozen, like, yeah, organizations there. Yeah, like, there was, yeah, I should just pull up the flyer. But, yeah, no, it was all, yeah, like, local record labels and music brands and other publications like independent publications which was cool but you had a flyer there for i think three different shows you've got coming up yeah you want to tell the audience about those real fast yeah um well 
one of them would have been for the Fourth of July show we just had. That was a lot of fun. Oh, sorry, that's right. Um, so yeah, I'll have my coverage up on the website soon of that. By the time you hear this, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, in October, I have a show with uh, this project called Sidestep, which is uh, from Louisville. It's this guy Naraya who is the singer of a hardcore band called Prime, but he has like a dream pop like side project. And so he's coming. I, I, I was going to, I had him booked for a show before the pandemic hit. So he was kind of rescheduling his tour now. And I have him in October at a house show with uh, Flooding from Lawrence and uh, Perfume from Kansas City. And and Flooding is uh, Rose from Window Seats, mm. new band with uh, Cole Billings, who, is, who does um, That's It, It's Over, and a bunch of solo music stuff too. Okay. And then in November, I have Military Gun at uh, Revolution Records with Spine and Flora, and I think that's going to be also very fun. Seems like some pretty good buzz about that show in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're they're it's it's funny. Yeah, like Military Gun, uh, the guy Ian who does that band, he just got this kind of weird right. Like I didn't realize that the Grammys had like a blog that they like just kind of post like musician profiles and features on yeah they do and he he got featured on there recently and it was like a really cool write-up issue three right here of shuttlecock magazine you want to just talk a little bit about that like the genesis of that again you just mentioned it was like a something you thought about doing over the pandemic but it wasn't ever the original plan yeah um yeah it's funny uh there was some window seats in there i mean several of the artists you just mentioned yeah window window seat uh was in i think the first issue that was the q a for the first issue right but uh, issue three is uh, Rachel Sion is the cover story. She's great. Uh, Flora is the uh, Q and A, which is uh, Dan Billen's daughter. If you if you are familiar with the Billions, okay, or Primary Color Music out in Lawrence, okay. Um, but yeah, the magazine. Uh, the first issue came out in April. Uh, it's a free monthly black and white print magazine that I drop off at record stores and coffee shops and other places like that. I'm hoping to add more locations and print more of them than I usually do soon. But um, do you have a you have a street team to get all those out for you? Uh, no, I I do I do one day of me running around like Westport, Crossroads, Kansas City, hitting a bunch of spots. Then the next day I do just downtown Lawrence, basically just walk up and down Mass Street, mm-hmm. uh, dropping them off. And then it's funny my my mom has been doing the Johnson County drop offs because. Uh, she has been uh, she she left her job during the pandemic right. so she has 
nothing else to do and wants to be supportive. <laughs> she wants to support and you. So, she, yeah, she drops them off at a bunch of coffee shops and places in Johnson County. And, you know, so I, I, that's my street team. I want to say I kind of miss that because we, we don't have one from the label. Like when we've had shows and putting up flyers, that's you just described my three days. Yeah. <laughs> one day hidden Westport, Midtown area. Another day maybe getting to the Burbs and then got to got to go up to Lawrence. Yeah. I got to say it's I love it. And I grew up in that generation where there were a lot of just like DIY fancy. This is pretty slick. I mean, it doesn't look like something was just slapped together. It's really pro. Again, I love the writing. I love the pictures. I love your promos. Again, you're very good about social media. Like that, uh, the uh, the music that you were playing in the background. Is it Sion? Is that Rachel's last name? Uh, Sion. Sion. It was just, it made me want to go pick up the magazine. Like that was a really... I mean, I guess that was your goal, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> I play uh, the worst song on the record. No, yeah. Put a, I put together a little, like, 30, 40 second uh, little trailer for each magazine that I post when it's ready to go. Phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, my friend Claire Monroe does the uh, the layout and design, and I cover uh, the writing and some of the photos. Some some photos are just contributed. But, uh, yeah, yeah just, no. I've been I'm just looking at this season. blog roll thing here where it... it little like little tiny blurbs about video content that was just released <clears throat> reading material and audio content so like you're like writing about other people's podcasts other people's like little video yeah it's a things it's they kind of up. a local music media digest yeah it's very cool i'm and i'm glad to see people supporting you too you mentioned you know your initial run is what's been 500 yeah. issues and you're aiming to potentially ramp that up a little bit yeah and it's because it sounds like people are trying to get behind you. That's a killer ad right there for that show, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tanner, Tanner, Tanner Spreer, very talented yeah. uh, graphic designer. Yes, he is. Doing some I, flyers. People want to people want to support you. People want to partner with you and you know get behind what you basically have created a, a decade, right? Maybe not with the Shuttlecock magazine, but no, starting yeah. with your DIY shows back in the day. Yeah, no, I've been I've been going to shows for a decade now, and. Uh, writing about them for six years now. yeah you've been out and about all right last two questions about the label biggest challenge sorry not the label about the magazine biggest challenges anything that's most difficult or pain in the rear as far as trying to run this conglomerate um, well it really i mean i, I kind of think we i think we discussed this a little bit before uh we started recording but it is kind of like Aside from just, you know, putting in the hours of creating each magazine, you know, which can be kind of tedious at times, but, you know, I, I love how it comes out, so I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, like, the thing, the, the, the real challenge that I'm personally facing right now is, like, get, like, it, it all breaks even, you know? Like, I have ads in there, mm-hmm. and it pays for the printing. It pays, like, it lets me pay Claire to uh, design it each month. But the, the real threshold I'm really trying to cross is just, you know, making it into a profitable thing to where I can make it my full-time gig just because, I mean, I'm unemployed right now and I'm mm-hmm. basically just freelancing to pay the bills. But I would love, like, the really, at the end of the day, the goal, the goal is to just, you know, be, be my own boss and uh, get paid to, you know, pay myself to document Kansas City music and hype up the the artists that i care about i i hear you it's a lot of work and it's rewarding work but at the end of the day you still and i mean i think that's that's the way that 
probably 95% of the artists that we talk with in Kansas City feel. Yeah. You know, they feel like they're busting their tails and doing everything they can, but at the end of the day, it's not meeting their needs as far as some basic necessities. So they've got to find another type of employment to be able to do that. And then music becomes secondary, which is not what they necessarily want to do. Yeah. How about biggest, I'm going to try to answer it for but like the best thing about it? So maybe not biggest milestone, but thing that makes you the happiest? Because again, you do so many different things with the magazine. Um, I don't know. I guess I I just love seeing people excited about it, like and finding like an artist that they wouldn't have found otherwise. I mean, it's it's like the same thing about you know running running it on on the internet. It's like if if somebody in Kansas City finds a, a band or an artist they wouldn't have found otherwise. Like I'm I'm really happy about that just because you know I I have you know. I have my favorites and you know I want to share their music and document their their you know artistry and an accurate and kind of you know fun and informative way and so uh, yeah that is kind of just the goal it's just to uh, build my reach and be able to do cool things for the artists I care about while documenting them. I gotta say I mean you've You've turned me on to several right in this issue alone, and I'm sure I'm not the only one here in Kansas City. We appreciate all that you're doing, and yeah, it does feel good, right? You yeah, know, yeah, like somebody, somebody, you know, it's a recommendation. Uh, uh, and just a quick shout out before we move on, uh, you were talking about freelancing. You were in Rolling Stone. I know it was a paid ad, yeah, mm-hmm. but sponsored content. I don't. I don't think that matters. I think it still counts. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, that's, that's huge. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty freaking rad. Yeah. Yeah, that was no. huge. Shout out to uh, Mike Parson. Uh, <laughs> no, it is, it is really funny though. No, it's because like because yeah, no, like there were all those headlines last year yeah. that Mike Parsons putting all of the COVID relief money f- that he got from the feds to tourism, mm-hmm. yeah. and so the, the that the, the sponsored content thing I wrote was a Missouri tourism uh, piece. Ad, yeah. Aaron, highlighting Kansas City music venues. So, Aaron, there needs to be a whole heck of a lot more of that, Chris. I mean, yeah. that's what we should be paying for. I mean, our city should realize, especially coming through this pandemic, hopefully, that music, it's an economic driver here in the sure ecosystem. And when you take away those venues and places for artists to perform, it's impacting all the other businesses around, the Uber drivers, the gas stations, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to clear something up for the listeners. Patrick is not condoning Mike Parsons using the COVID <laughs> relief fund to fund advertisements for music. He is saying that that should happen as well. I'm, I'm, I'm condoning it. Okay. <laughs> Aaron's condoning it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if my business partner will even let me go into politics, but I'm not sure I'm condoning anything from that gentleman. Um, but uh, that was a kick-ass please, article. Please vote yeah, for Mike Parsons in, in for re-election. Um, you can go to mikeparson.com. <laughs> mo.gov.biz and please give him uh, the highest amount of money that you can legally give a candidate. Is he running again? I don't know.
Welcome back to Center Cuts. We are still here with Aaron Rhodes and Chris Mowry. Chris, thanks again for having us in your home. Yeah, no problem. We've, we've really only done maybe two in person during the pandemic. Mark and uh, we did uh, Jenna. Jenna Ray. I think yeah. that's it. Yep. Uh, but we just spent a little bit talking about our calendar. Aaron told us about his life out in Olathe, family a bit, getting into music writing and high school actually middle school right Aaron yes uh, high school and then making the decision to make that a career and the, the blossoming and the development and the growth over six years again Aaron we just you kind of seem like an old man <laughs> and I mean that in the kind of sense in that you've just been around for a while and it just seems like you've, you've dug in deep into a lot of different areas in Kansas City and we're very excited to see your new publication coming out it's a beautiful magazine yep the podcasts have been great. We talked about your collaboration with Bill Brownlee. Chris, also, I'm glad you did bring that up. Mentioned you got some, you know, national coverage with mm-hmm. Rolling Stone, and that's that's a huge deal. You know, making making some moves here in Kansas City. Oh yeah, thank you. Tell us tell us about something you like about Kansas City. It doesn't have to be music related. Anything um, that you cherish about your hometown? Oh uh, yeah, I think it's you know pretty similar to what most people like about Kansas City is. Uh, uh, a few quick hits: uh, the barbecue, um, the Truman Are Sports you Complex. Oh, what's that? I, don't, I don't peg you as a vegetarian, but no, yeah, I, I eat a, good, a decent amount of uh, Joe's and Gates barbecue. Oh, a couple shout-outs there. <laughs> All right, make sure to tag them. I also need to like dig deeper into like I need to go to Arthur Bryant's more often because I've only been a couple times and I don't think I like. That's the place. Ordered, right? I'm not a big. I, oh, I love brands. I just don't like the sauce, and that's yeah, like it's like slathered different. in it. But I feel like I need to like learn to love it. The one on Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, that's where I always took my students for field trips, and there were many debates. Uh, do you, by the way, do you like to cook? Do you grill? Mm, I do not. I have, okay. I basically anything with my hands, I cannot do. <laughs> I cannot like fix things. I can't fix like I don't know anything about cars. I don't know how to cook. I'm I'm all it's all it's all up here in the noggin, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it puts me in some tough positions sometimes. Okay. So I'm eating a lot of garbage fast food okay. right now. Okay. <laughs> so you're a barbecue fan? Yeah. Anything else about KC? That's yeah. You know, I love the Royals and the Chiefs. I love ca- catching a game at either Arrowhead or Kaufman, like anyone else. And um, you ever tried to make any music? musical connections inroads on that end i mean during the pandemic i did i instagram message patrick mahomes and kelsey about getting i kid you not you guys they don't answer whatever about trying to get behind supporting venues here Mm -hmm. and about how it was important for them and if they could like do a little psa or testimonial for that video that we made oh right right i didn't hear back but i mean come on who doesn't like music well i mean when we had we had d ford on the team he Uh plays music like he can, yeah he can drum and play keyboards and he played a show at record bar it was d4 like, did yeah it was wild it was like one of those like um soul sessions nights or something like that he came uh-huh. up and started playing drums and keys is that it right wild it was like what the I, heck is going on and then i'm settling the show because d also promoted it 
and I am settling the show with D Ford. Oh, that's great. And I was like, this is weird. (laughs) That's great. I remember he was actually like a musician. Bashad Breland, I know, was uh, doing some hip hop stuff. I mean, that's a great angle for you. Who do you contact over there, I wonder? Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I haven't given that a shot yet. Yeah. <laughs> Chiefs media personnel or something? You probably, no, I would. Sure. Yeah, yeah so there's something like that. PR person. Yeah. I, you know, Kristen, we've discussed this on a couple of episodes, too. Maybe it's all the way back with Steve. Um, for whatever reason, I feel there is a divide between the music lover community and the sports loving community in Kansas City. I'm, I'm in Chris's room, which is, by the way, <laughs> surrounded by... It's half music Jayhawks, and half sports. Chiefs everywhere. But I don't know. Maybe I just picked that up on social media with the term sports balls. It yep. just seems to be some uh, dismissing of people who are fans. Of yeah, no, music people get really dumb and snobby about being into art instead of uh, sports. And are you feeling that? That's what I'm saying. I, I, I think I, I used to act like that in like middle school or whatever. Like, oh, you know, that's cool. Throw the sports ball, whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then, but, but like... That was like a year or two after I was like playing baseball in like sixth grade or whatever. Like I still love <laughs> baseball, but it's like, oh, I'm into music now. Music's cool. Like these dumb jocks don't know about music, but it's like, it's some it's of like, them do. Yeah. yeah, some of them do, and it's like, who cares if someone likes sports more? And like, but I mean, think yeah. of, again. I'm thinking of I. I had not been to a cheese game probably in not ten years, but you know, it's expensive. It's a full day affair. Yeah. People are, in general, drinking a lot there. But going to the uh, AFC Championship game, was that two years ago now? I was really paying attention to, like, the musical interludes there. And, you know, there's some cheesy top 40 stuff and whatever. But, man, they were like, you know, no sleep till Brooklyn. Like, this yeah. is great. Like, some yeah. five-year-old being exposed to the Beastie Boys, you know, at a Chiefs game. Not got a five-year right away. I'm like, this is killer. Yeah. And they're going to make that Led Zeppelin connection at some point. I don't know. Maybe I was just overthinking it. Well, then when they do uh, on broadcast, they'll put Radke during a commercial break. Or like right as they're cutting to commercial. Or Get Up Kids or Hembry. Those are the ones I've seen pop up the most. Um, But yeah, that stuff is like, it's all intertwined without people really realizing that it is. Well, and the Royals, I know that... um, Chris Aguirre was doing that for a while. Concert series, yeah. They were really promoting and supporting local artists. I don't know if that'd be a great slot. Yeah, there. I, would love, I would like in my mind, I would love to do a similar thing, like have a concert series at like a local sports uh, like stadium. But like, I think everything like that I'm really into, like my taste is like too extreme. It's not for, family friendly. Yeah, it's not yeah. family friendly. How about so. some like roller derby or um, <laughs> there you go? Yeah, no professional I, wrestling. Yes, there you go. okay. We had the WWE thing already. Yeah, like Journey Pro. Have a metal back. band play at the wrestling show, at yeah. the wrestling event. What's exactly. that date, Chris? The guy you said that's gonna pop on over and do an oh. ac- acoustic uh, wrestling <laughs> show. <laughs> Jeff Hardy. Yeah, Aaron, there it is, right there. There you yeah, go. You need to talk to him, and um, we were gonna see if we could get Stevie Cruz just to play a bunch of wrestling entrances and <laughs> do a DJ thing as people were coming in. Nice. I think. Okay. He's okay. a big wrestling guy. I haven't asked this question before, but I'm gonna. Have you ever thought about getting out of Kansas City? No, I I think I'm. It's you love I, it that I, much. I, I I tell people this on a regular basis. I don't think I'm ever going to permanently live anywhere else. Like, really? I'm, I'm I'm digging in, like, because I think like there's there's a lot of stuff I want to accomplish here, and I don't think you. I could do what I want as easily 
if I live somewhere else. Like, may, yeah. like maybe I'll go, like, stay in New York or, like, travel for a few months or do whatever and, like, stuff like that. But, like, I think this will be my permanent residence just because, like, I, I kind of want to be the guy to go to in Kansas City for specific things for, like, for hardcore and for, for hip-hop and stuff, stuff like that. Like, I want to book, like, a big fest someday. And I think, like, if I stay put and continue to make connections and be the guy in Kansas City, like, I'll get to do some really cool stuff down the line. Glad to oh, hear yeah. it. I'm, I'm happy I asked that question. Wow. For <laughs> once. <laughs> not to throw people under the bus so you know let's offer suggestions if there's something terrible yeah um i think well first off like i think we could you know a a city can never have too many all ages venues i Mm -hmm. don't think i think that's a very important Mm -hmm. thing for a music scene so i mean it's not it's not an easy fix you know i know there comes like insurance and all these other factors come with setting up an all ages venue so i know it's not an easy thing to do so hopefully just someone sees sees that it is something that could happen at some point and and we get some more of those because like going to shows at the beaumont club was like super important to Mm -hmm. me growing up uh so so that that's one thing i know it's like not an easy fix but also stick with that for a sec though because chris we've we've had a couple guests mention that i guess my thought is how do you make money to replace the money you're going to make from alcohol sales i mean isn't that what it comes down to well i mean it's that but it's also the insurance like and it's also just the because they're kids you need more insurance Maybe yeah, I'm getting it. Yeah, yeah. You have to pay a higher insurance premium because is, you... is that not why the Beaumont closed? Like a kid getting injured at a show? I mean, and they got sued or something. Well, there's a there's a there's a, a long list I think of reasons okay. why that place closed. But um, yeah, there's it's it has to do with the insurance. It has to do with the risk reward factor. Like, what is the reward for doing an all ages venue where? Yeah, you're gonna not get any alcohol sales from them at all, especially if you're. That's like something you rely on. Um, it's just like it's tough. It's like it's hard. Like even when we have shows we, at Record Bar, we do 18 plus. But then if you're accompanied by a parent or legal guardian, you can come in if you're under that age. But if you're 18 years old and you're like a group, let's say a group of 18 year olds walk into Record Bar and they pay the minor fee and they do all that, like all the door staff knows specifically if they act weird at all 
that now we have to watch that group of kids uh, all night. Yeah. Because it if becomes a huge liability if um, somebody's sneaking them drinks, if they have snuck some drinks or something, and now they're intoxicated. Like that's a huge problem. Like it, it's a big issue for the staff. And then if anything, God forget forbid what happened to them. Right. You mm-hmm. know that like it just becomes like a the risk reward of it is tough. Yeah. What what if you had a venue that was only for under 18? It's not all ages, but no dumb adults. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, maybe. Because like you, I think we all have the same thought. Is it's so important to expose young people to music so that your first show is an age 30 going to see Garth Brooks at Airhead Stadium. Well, right. But that's the other thing, too, is like with Record Bar, you can come to Record Bar at any point as a child. As yeah. long as your parent or some type of legal guardian is with you, so it's still you still have the option of doing that. But I don't want to it's go just, with my parents. Like I remember going to see, uh, but we also don't. Furs we also don't want to babysit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uptown <laughs> like, with my high school friends or that ZZ Top show. We had no parents. Was yeah. that Kemper? I mean, let's just keep. I would really like to find ways to do that because I yeah. think if you make fans at a young age yeah. they are going to continue to support music and then understand yeah. the value of live music yeah. and pay taxes or whatever to keep those things for the city I feel like if the kids care enough they will be like yeah my dad or something is coming and he's just hanging out in the back while I'm watching the show and that happens a lot yeah like yeah. you know what I mean like we have so many like at least before the pandemic we were having so many like very teen heavy shows like mm-hmm. uh, Coin and stuff like that. Like oh, really Billie Eilish played there. Billie on, Eilish. Her first tour. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, so like Glass Animal. It's like all teens and their dad or mom or yeah. whoever was okay. their legal guardian was up in the mezzanine watching, mm. you know, or okay. something like that. Um, okay. So yeah, it's just like it, it's it ex- like you can go to shows under 18. It's just you can't there's not really any place right now that I can think of they can go under 18 you know well, I guess unescorted the, unescorted yeah. I guess I guess so. stuff in uh, White Schoolhouse right is yeah. that all yeah. Just, yeah, they, yeah they do a good job of that yeah. out in Lawrence yeah uh, but yeah it would be nice to have that in Kansas City but yeah, yeah. yeah it is just kind of a money investment thing that just someone has to pull a trigger on and I don't right. think it's a very fixable like an easily fixable issue so if, if you if you want to angle for a maybe a fixable thing uh, I, I had a second item okay, so yeah. in this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, okay, so I think being Facebook friends with any number of, like, local scene musicians, you will come across, like, at one point or another, you will see musicians complaining about, their, like, sh- nobody showing up to the shows or them not making any money on whatever mm-hmm. project they have mm-hmm. or something like that. So I think the thing is, like, really just, like, and that's what partially what I'm trying to do with the magazine is creating, like, you know, there there are plenty of different, like, radio stations and podcasts and magazines and whatever in Kansas City, but I think a lot of people aren't trying their hardest to expand the tent or the bubble of the local music scene mm-hmm, beyond mm-hmm. who it currently encompasses you know like i'm putting like you like of course i'm putting this at the record store i'm passing this out at the shows or whatever and that's you know but i realized that 
a lot of those people are already kind of like in the know and a part of the scene in some way mm-hmm. but like i want to get these magazines to like college campuses high school campuses and like bring in people who else else like otherwise would never come across a local musician that they yeah. love who who is like similar maybe to like a, a national artist that right. they love and so i think like there's a lot more that could be done by the institutions and publications and so forth in Kansas City in doing like actual like kind of grassroots outreach. Aaron preaching to the choir. Again, we've discussed this a few times and on both ends. It's yeah. like whether yeah, it's, the, it's like if you're complaining and instead of trying to do this first, like you're you're doing it wrong. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, you will you will have artists who like don't quite understand how to promote yeah. themselves or like get stuff out and then they complain that you know maybe the venue didn't do enough or yeah. what have you and it's not really on the venue to bring people out it's good if the venue has its own um built-in base you know mm-hmm. but you know most of the time it's on the artist to make sure that people come out or know that they're playing there you and know? if i can further get into the rant zone here yeah yeah if, you're not um, ranting we're, it's we're perfect oh, I'm, I'm about to rant a little maybe <laughs> let's do it i think Geared there up. are a lot of artists who in their mind they they see or believe that a music scene should be a democratic thing you know mm-hmm. like based on their skill and passion and like years put into something Mm -hmm. like oh i'm i can play the guitar like crazy and i can and i've been doing it for 10 years and it's the thing i care most about in life therefore i should be selling out shows or like people should be paying closer attention to me or or i should be getting booked more regularly Mm. and it's kind of like no it's not like that at all and it never will be or should be um people are going to care about your music because it speaks to them in a certain way and they care about it as art like like mm-hmm. you would with a national band or like you would with a movie or a book that you care about like right i think people get that really twisted sometimes when they're on like in a music scene on a small level like i'm i'm doing everything right why don't people care like well it's not about doing it right it's about doing it in a way that connects with people and maybe like you're writing like maybe your songwriting just isn't connecting with people for a reason mm-hmm. you know and maybe you need to change something about it or maybe you should accept that you're going to be an artist in a niche and it's kind of like that yeah like, it's just frustrating to read those posts sometimes where it's like people can't like zoom out and and think about it that way right do you ever read the newsletter from bob left no he's been around forever and I, somebody turned us on to that right when we started the label but and I, I can probably not deal I can deal with maybe only 10% of his posts these days cause it's not about music anymore but he's got a couple interesting points like that Aaron like you know people complain about the amount of money that they make off of Spotify it's pennies and this and that which I we agree with as a label yeah, but no, on the other hand be higher, but, just, yeah. just because you got your music put on Spotify it doesn't make you a noticeable artist or yeah, a worthy not, artist not every artist can't should should or will live off their art right i i can put a song on youtube but, tomorrow yeah, no like problem entitled to that yeah and so that's that's one expectation and the other one though too is that sort of 
I'm, I exist and therefore people should just come find out about me. If you don't let people know about it, like Chris was saying, and promote your show. I mean, I, I won't name any names and this won't come out for a week, but we have two, had two shows just recently where either other artists that we were pairing with or the venue, they never announced the show. Meanwhile, we've been like three or four times, you know, in the course of a month trying to do our best. And then, you know, again, we'll see how the shows go, but and our, some artists we know say, yeah, no one was there. I'm like, because you never posted about it. What were you thinking? There's just too <laughs> much competition out yeah. there of people busting their chops who maybe do have less talent than you and artistic integrity or all these other great things, beauty as a person, but there's just, there's just too much saturation. So to your point, I think building up the am- amount of communication and awareness is something that's so essential we just don't have a lot of mainstream media here supporting Kansas City artistry, yeah. with the exception of your article in Rolling Stone. <laughs> and so what I see you doing and some other people as well is just saying kind of what we're trying to do is center cuts. We're just going to do what we can do. And if people you know, want to listen, things, things can maybe improve. Yeah. Um, and, you, and to piggyback kind of what Aaron was saying is that it's like – we all we all know sitting here that uh, we love artists, right? But we also know that artists aren't always the easiest people to get along with, you know, because they are, especially ones that are like very, very, <clears throat> and I'll say some super intelligent artists kind of get into their own head about what they're doing and about how good it is. And like you were saying, that can cause a disconnect on that it's not just what you're making right it's the relationships that you've built with people or the relationships that you've destroyed with people Mm -hmm. you know so it becomes it also becomes the art could be incredible right but if you have not like put in the work to get yourself kind of embedded into the community it doesn't take a ton but if you don't do that bit then you kind of lose out on the on the potential of what you could actually be doing. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of like also, uh, especially, okay. So it's, this is, I'll, this is going to sound annoying, but like a lot of times when an artist like gets like a negative album review or something, or even like a mixed review or like, you know, a, a review of their show that they don't like or agree mm-hmm. with or whatever. Um, they'll be like, Oh, this, this person is probably just a failed musician. They don't know anything <laughs> about music. Uh, why why don't we why don't we read uh, from people who who why don't we listen to the people who actually make music? Yeah. And it's kind of like uh, one. I think I have. I don't think I need anyone's permission to write about music. And yeah. two, um, it's kind of <laughs> like just like you don't need anyone's uh, permission to make music, right? Yeah, right. no. And it's kind of like. Um, I would, it would be cool. Like, it's kind of what, I mean, Manor Records is kind of doing this to a certain extent. Like, they are musicians who are building a platform that includes, like, podcasts and, yeah. like, blog content and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, like, there's there's nothing stopping, like, a, like, you know, if you're if you're complaining about nobody coming to your shows or buying your, your merch or whatever, like, why don't you start your own blog where you write about other bands or, or even just document more closely or in a different way what you're doing or mm-hmm. the you know stuff like that like you there like i built my own platform like there's nothing stopping an artist from doing the same thing like there's yeah. no like like may, maybe people will think that there's a bit of a bias 
like considering it would be coming from an artist but like i think they would still be inclined to like at least check it out but to your point though you also or or to our point is you also put in the time to like put yourself in places and so people would start being like oh that's aaron Rhodes. he does this x x x right like if somebody just like reacts to a bad review and doesn't even realize how good media and artists can work together like if if that's if let's say you wrote a bad review about an artist and the artist just like bitched you out about it you would probably respond much better to it if the person just reached out to you was like hey i didn't really like what you said about me and that but like i respect it it's whatever it's like your Mm -hmm. opinion you would probably be like oh well maybe i should like on his next go around give him another chance or or what have you like there's it's all about the relationships that you build especially in like everybody likes to think that kansas city is like this thriving pop in place but like we're a small town like we're a small city we are not big and like anything that you do it impacts other things you know like you never know who you're talking to yeah. uh and who they know or vice versa you know what i mean like so right yeah it's it's i'd say half the game is having really great art and the other half is the relationships you build along the way mm-hmm. you know and you said uh two words that were interesting here and i just don't think i've heard in a long time like was concert review like when's the last time you read the review of a show here in kansas city tim you Finn. Know, Aaron, yeah. you know, like Aaron's Aaron stuff. Yeah. I mean, Fowley and Lawrence. Fowley, yeah. I am having a hard time remembering back in the days of the pitch or the star. It's it's non-existent. Now, there's some single reviews and some video reviews. And as a label, we're very grateful to, to have those and, you know, get the support that we've had. But like an album review or a concert review, it's kind of a foreign word. Yeah. You know, no, and it's, it is kind of funny just because, like, uh, it kind of, in a lot of ways, it sucks to be someone who's uh, like, you know, engaging in like I'm. I'm not strictly a music critic. I'm a music journalist. I, I as well, I would say maybe more so. Mm-hmm. But um, like, it's it's not a great time to like. It, of course, like, music criticism doesn't quite matter as much as it used to because you don't have to buy like invest your own money in albums and like so you don't have to like research first you just click on it on youtube or spotify or whatever and you you you, what you know whether you like it or not but it's like uh if you write a negative or a mixed review about an artist and they they share it with all their fans and like Mm -hmm. you're you're just getting shit on 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 the internet for like (laughs) a whole day or two yeah uh, that's not a lot of fun but it's like i think i don't know how i what what did you just say? Why was I saying that? I'm just saying. I mean, it's such. It's so rare. Distracted my. No, yeah. We talked about there's not as many late. reviews being written anymore, yeah. and it's just because, like, yeah, there's less money in uh, traditional media. Therefore, uh, they brands and like companies need to maintain their relationships with um, artists and other companies that they would otherwise like give an honest review of or like commission an honest review of so it's kind of like that so I'm, it's it's hard to balance like and it, it is kind of funny because i am trying to balance like building um a media company that is like making original content and doing cool like shows and stuff like that while also trying to be honest in my writing and 
in the, the podcast I do with Bill. So it, it is and, kind of a constant weird balance. And we've discussed that too. I mean, again, no offense to anybody involved in media here, but there is a lot of cheerleading to a certain degree, like where, you know, every yeah. single artist is awesome. And you can only use that superlative so many times. Mm. Everybody can't be a five-star band. You know what I'm saying? And to be able to tell someone, like, your choruses are weak or your lyrics are soft or whatever, I don't know. That, a lot of that's, local that's healthy. bad. Hmm? A lot of local music is bad. bad. No way. <laughs> uh, and I, I remember reading the pitch when it started. So this is like, I don't know, 85, 82? There was this guy, Leroy. That's capital L, little e, capital R-O-I. And in this column called Riding with the King. And it was basically like a five-star system. And his, his reviews were a, maybe a paragraph of 50, 60 words. And he was, just, he was just honest, you know? And I think one of his reviews was like, fly me, like, you know, don't even bother with me. And I, I depended on that guy. Like of the 100 albums I wanted to buy, you know, I'd look at it first and, and take his word for it, good or the bad. We didn't always agree. Actually, that was a John Hyatt. Oh, bring this full circle here. That's a John Hyatt uh, title, Riding with the King. Nice. No, yeah, but... It- it's kind of like I I part. I mean I, I do the I do shuttlecock for many different reasons, you know, but like one of them is just kind of like I I value when a music journalist is at or a critic is at a show that I can't make it to personally, just because I want an honest opinion of what the show was like mm-hmm. or like you know just an honest account of it. Just because, like, if you ask, like, the you the guy in the band that opened the show how the show went, they're like, oh, yeah, it was awesome. It was crazy. Everybody mm-hmm. was, like, you're, you know, they're, it's going to be embellished a little bit or they're going to leave out sure. something just so they don't, like, clash with other artists or whatever, you know. Yeah. So, like, I, that's something I think I value as a music fan, uh, first and foremost. And then, yeah. The unvarnished truth. Yeah, I, I don't. I, don't like, I hear you. That's that's why I like punk music. I don't like bullshit. You know. <laughs> that's that's a great that's a great way to wrap up this episode, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. I, Chris and I are very appreciative of you taking your time today. Again, I'm staring right at this latest issue, everybody. We should let people know where. What's the easiest way to find you? Um, you can go to shuttlecockmusic.com. That's the website, and it's at shuttlecockmag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And from there, you can find uh, all the articles, the podcasts, the web store, and the YouTube channel, all that stuff. You're pretty active on Twitter, too. Yeah. I'm rarely on there, but it's usually to see one of your tweets. Uh, If people want to send you, share a story, music, best way is just messaging, or? Yeah, you can DM me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook is like bloated and really hard to use now. So tr- try not to message me on there. I will probably <laughs> not see it for six months. But you can also email me. My email address is in the about section on shuttlecockmusic.com. Okay, that seems to go to spot. Uh, been interesting to learn about your life. And again, I really glad we asked that question, Chris. Like, do you ever think about moving away from here? It sounds like you're committed to fostering what you've started to build and a lot of other people here i think you've i think people again appreciate your honesty and your diligence and hard work and you know want to support you so best of luck with future additions with the mag with the shows you're throwing um 
stay out of trouble, stay healthy. Uh, we know we know how that goes in the music industry. Chris, I'll see you this Saturday. Calvin is yep, there. I'll be there. Uh, Kansas City, we are getting through this pandemic, it looks like. So hope you're all getting vaccinated and staying safe and being nice to each other. Stay safe. Stay strong. Peace out.